Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. In 2011, the oil giant Chevron lost a historic court case in Ecuador, ordered to pay $18 billion for environmental damage to indigenous citizens. But instead of paying up, Chevron has waged a global campaign to avoid accountability. This includes targeting one of the attorneys who helped defeat it in court. That attorney's name is Steven Donziger, and what he has faced from Chevron is something out of a Kafka novel. Chevron managed to get a U.S. federal judge to appoint a private law firm to prosecute Donziger on the U.S. government's behalf, even though U.S. prosecutors declined to take the case. That has resulted in Donziger being under house arrest for nearly two years and his so-called trial recently getting underway in New York City. Well, outside the courtroom, a number of people came to support Donziger, including the musician Roger Waters and the actor Susan Sarandon. This company, first Chevron now, has paid millions of dollars which they could have used to restore this water, which they could have used to make up for this horrible racist dumping into the uh, Amazon. And instead they chose to silence and persecute Stephen. Why? Because it's also a signal to other activists, to other people who are trying to save our environment that you will have dire consequences if you open your mouth and if you take legal action. Well, Stephen Donzinger joins me now. Stephen, welcome to Pushback. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Aaron. For people who are just hearing about your case for the first time, can you just catch us up on how you got from winning this judgment against Chevron to now facing a trial from Chevron today? Sure. Well, you know, we won. It wasn't just me. I mean, the, the, there were a lot of lawyers working as an international team with Ecuadorian lawyers in the lead um, that beat Chevron fair and square in court after an eight-year trial in Ecuador, where Chevron insisted the trial be held and where it had accepted jurisdiction. Um, when the evidence was mounting against it, overwhelming scientific evidence, thousands of chemical sampling results that proved the company had deliberately dumped literally billions of gallons of cancer-causing toxic waste into the Amazon, onto indigenous ancestral lands, um, they tried to turn the tables. And um, we have an email internally that their strategy, strategy became demonized Donziger. That's our long-term strategy, is what one of their top officials said. So they then sued me back here in U.S. courts in New York, where I live. I was traveling to Ecuador frequently. I've been there over 200 times over the course of this litigation. Um, and they sued me claiming I was a racketeer. They basically claimed the entire lawsuit that we had won was sham litigation designed to extort money from them. Completely false. And I'll add that the judgment in Ecuador has been confirmed by multiple appellate courts including the Supreme Courts of Ecuador and Canada, um, where the Ecuadorians have taken their judgment to try to enforce it because Chevron won't pay. So Chevron's main strategy, rather than pay the judgment, comply with the law, is to attack me. And they've been doing it for 10 years. And the reason I'm currently under house arrest now for almost two years is because I keep going and 
we keep fighting and creating enormous risk for the company to the point where they are engaging in what I believe are blatantly corrupt acts um, in the United States to try to lock me up, um, both because they think that'll help diminish their financial risk. That is, I can't travel to enforce the judgment. Um, and they also want to use me, I think, as a weapon to intimidate other human rights lawyers and environmental defenders into not doing this kind of critically important work, holding polluters accountable, holding the fossil fuel industry accountable so we can save our planet. So specifically, um, they manipulated a court case here in the United States before a judge who never gave me a jury. Um, the judge found that I had bribed the judge in Ecuador. It's false. It's been rejected by 29 appellate judges in Ecuador and Canada, but this one U.S. trial judge found this um, based on a witness testimony, uh, I'm sorry, testimony from a witness who was paid $2 million by Chevron and coached for 53 days to tell this false story. He later admitted lying. But Judge Kaplan, the U.S. federal trial judge here in New York, credited his testimony as a way to lay the legal basis to begin attacking me and trying to dismantle my life, take my money, impose fines on me. And ultimately, he demanded that I turn over my computer and cell phone and basically all my confidential case file to Chevron. And when I appealed that order, which I believe is unlawful, um, he charged me with criminal contempt of court. The charges were rejected by the U.S. Attorney's Office because I believe they're baseless, and so did that office, apparently. And then he appointed a private law firm to prosecute me in the name of the government, the people. And this private law firm, Seward & Kissel, Kaplan hid the fact that it had a client relationship with Chevron. And they had me locked up, and I'm the only lawyer in U.S. history charged. This is a misdemeanor case, a petty offense, locked up pre-trial in his or her home for even a day. And I've been here now 649 days. Today's my 649th day. So this is, you know, a corporate, in my view, a corporate political persecution targeting a successful human rights lawyer who held a major U.S. oil company accountable for really human rights and environmental atrocities committed in the Amazon. Here I am. I'm in trial now uh, over this criminal contempt. I will be convicted. There's no jury. Um, the system is being heavily manipulated to favor Chevron, the process, I should say. Um, but we're fighting it with my great legal team. And, you know, we expect we'll have a really good appeal. But, you know, the larger issue of what this means for our society to basically be prosecuted by a corporation for the first time in U.S. history, this is the first corporate prosecution ever. Um, that's really deeply disturbing, and that goes way, way beyond me. People need to pay attention to this. Can you tell us more about this judge, Kaplan, uh, his background? He's the judge who appointed this so-called special prosecutor. And how common is this for a judge to get a private law firm to act as a prosecutor on behalf of the U.S. government, especially after the U.S. government declines explicitly to take the same case? I've never seen this particular, you know, hybrid of a private prosecutor. I mean, first of all, we don't prosecute people privately in the United States. There are rare, rare exceptions. There might be six of them in the whole country in the last 30 years where because of conflicts of interest or this or that or lack of resources in a particular region, there are 
private prosecutors can be appointed, but they're always subject to the supervision of the Department of Justice. In this case, he appointed a Chevron law firm who doesn't answer to anybody. They don't answer to the Department of Justice. If anybody, they answer to Judge Kaplan, who's a former tobacco lawyer, um, who obviously has deep hostility toward me. And, you know, he's doing all he can to help Chevron and sort of intimidate other plaintiff's lawyers like me and human rights lawyers who do this work. So, um, you know, this has never happened before. In the very rare instances when a private prosecutor is appointed by a judge, it's always under the supervision of the Department of Justice. Um, this is not that. The prosecutor, Rita Glavin, works on her own. She won't really talk in good faith about resolving the case. She has a job to do, and it's for Chevron. It's very obvious. She's representing Chevron, and she is a partner, or was until recently, a partner in a Chevron law firm. So have you approached that prosecutor about a possible plea or other ways to resolve the case? Well, first of all, I believe I'm totally innocent. So, you know, a plea is always disturbing. The idea that I would have to plead to get out of a, basically an unjust situation that's been imposed on me. Um, however, you know, I want my freedom and I want to continue my human rights work. So, yeah, my lawyers have talked to her and she told one of my lawyers that she had no authority to negotiate a plea. So go figure. She does not answer. She is, she is not independent. She is flagrantly conflicted. And her job, I'm telling you, in my view, is to keep me locked up as long as possible because she's answering to Chevron, not to the public interest. You know, the public interest didn't want me prosecuted. It, this case was turned down by the Department of Justice. But what I would give to trade Rita Glavin for a, a professional prosecutor in the Department of Justice, I'm probably the only lawyer in America wanting to be prosecuted by the DOJ because at least I could deal with a professional, negotiate a resolution. You know, but those professionals already looked at my case and declined to prosecute. So here we are. I mean, I think ultimately this case is going to be thrown out. It's, it's an embarrassment, frankly, to our federal judiciary and to our country. You know, I mean, when the people who run foreign policy in America try to go around the world and, and you know, claim they're promoting democracy and human rights, you know, how do they explain this? And I'll say another thing about the Biden administration. You need to do something, okay? You can't pretend to address the climate issue while you have a American human rights lawyer locked up for almost two years without trial on a misdemeanor who held one of the major fossil fuel polluters accountable. I mean, that's just not, that, that can't happen. So we're challenging the Biden administration to do something about this. This is not, um, this is at the point where something really needs to be done at the highest levels. Has there been any comment from the Biden administration about your case? Well, I've had the good fortune of getting a lot of support, but not from the Biden administration. I mean, I have there's six U.S. congresspersons, including, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamie Raskin, Cori Bush, Jim McGovern, Jamal Bowman. Um, Rashida Tlaib have all signed a letter demanding the DOJ stop this case and take back the prosecution from the private Chevron law firm. In addition, 68 Nobel laureates sent the same letter with the same demand of the Department of Justice, as did a bunch of law students from 53 different law schools in America. 
Amnesty International has condemned this. I mean, they just put out an incredible statement last week. Um, this, you know, and not to mention thousands of lawyers from all over the place. I mean, they've totally overreached. And it ends up that I'm getting a massive amount of support. But the people who really have the power to do something, meaning the new Justice Department in the United States under the Biden administration, have yet to act. We're trying to get them to act. The judge overseeing this so-called trial has also been restricting public access to it. Can you talk about that and how the trial has gone for you so far, your impression of it? So let me just say this. You know, my judge, Loretta Preska, was appointed by Judge Kaplan, who charged me. Normally, cases are assigned randomly. He picked her. She's a member of the Federalist Society, a prominent member, makes speeches on their behalf. Chevron is a major funder of the Federalist Society. The Gibson Dunn Law Firm, which Chevron has paid to try to demonize me for 10 years, is a major donor to the Federalist Society. Um, Rita Glavin, my prosecutor, comes from a Chevron law firm, Seward and Kissel. And Judge Kaplan, who charged me, has financial investments in a mutual fund that has that's invested in oil and gas, including in Chevron. So all three of these key people, two judges and one private prosecutor, one corporate prosecutor, all have financial ties to Chevron. Well, excuse me, I'm charged with criminal contempt and I'm the lawyer who crushed Chevron in court with the largest environmental judgment ever. How can I be prosecuted publicly by the Chevron Corporation, which is de facto what is happening? Um, Preska, who oversees my case, is petrified of public scrutiny. You know, there's an international trial monitoring committee headed by Ambassador Stephen Rapp that's monitoring this trial because it has so many obvious due process flaws. She wouldn't even answer his letters to get him a seat in the courtroom to watch the trial. She terminated Zoom access on the eve of trial, even though we had had Zoom access throughout the pretrial proceedings. Um, there are thousands of people around the world who want to bear witness to this travesty including many people in Ecuador who don't have the money, people, my own clients in the Amazon who don't have the money to be able to travel. Um, she cut off Zoom access. She does not want people watching this trial. I mean, it's very unusual for the accused in a trial to be speaking to the media in the middle of a trial, which is what I'm doing. But I've determined that I have to, because what they're trying to do is silence my voice, my advocacy, and the advocacy of others, other lawyers and activists working on this case. I mean, that's the point of this, right? It's a slap lawsuit designed to intimidate um, critics of the company. So I try to get out there as much as I can in interviews like this one and others to get the story out because that's what they hate the most. So I will continue speaking, but you know, the cutting off of Zoom access is a horrendous decision that once again. I think shows the true colors of those who are attacking me. So on top of that congressional letter of support that you got, there also was a recent letter signed by 68 Nobel laureates uh, asking the Justice Department to intervene to stop your case. Contrast that, though, with your treatment in the right wing media. Can you talk about how the targeting of you by Chevron was a part of its strategy to avoid paying up? for the damages that it was ordered to pay in Ecuador for environmental destruction against indigenous people? Well, 
the targeting of me and the, the attempt to demonize me is the central feature of their defense strategy. They don't want a trial. They don't want to litigate on the merits. They don't want people talking about what they did to dump billions of gallons of cancer-causing waste into the Amazon that's killing people as we speak. They want to talk about the lawyer. And it's a classic corporate playbook. You know, attack the lawyers, try to drive them off the case, leave the victims defenseless, win by might what you cannot win on merit. And that's what they've been doing for 10 years. I mean, they literally have created websites dedicated to smearing my reputation. You know, I've gotten a lot of good press from independent media and they buy Google ads to, you know, hover over links to those articles where they trash me as a fraudster. So, you know, I have no doubt I've been targeted probably with the most well-financed corporate retaliation campaign ever in this country, directed against a single individual. They originally sued me, by the way, for $60 billion, that's a B billion, largest potential personal liability in U.S. history. Um, They've denied me a jury every step of the way in the justice system, the so-called justice system, because they know a jury would not buy their what they're selling, the BS that they're selling. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's been brutal, but the support and solidarity we've received, and by the way, I live with my wife and 14-year-old son in a two-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. I mean, I've been in prison now for almost two years. Um, The solidarity we receive is enormously, you know, helpful. It boosts our spirits. We try to create happiness every day in the four walls of our home. I think we're very successful at it despite this ordeal. Um, And I think it bothers the hell out of them that they can't get me to give up, you know? And I also think there's a whole cottage industry built around attacking me. I mean, they've used 60 law firms and 2000 lawyers to attack me. And Gibson, Dunn and Crutcher, their main law firm has had hundreds of lawyers billing on this case. Um, You know, it's almost like they're high on, you know, an addictive drug. Like they cannot stop attacking me and the lawyers. And we just learned this in court this week, several of those attacking me bill $1,300 an hour or more for their so-called services. Chevron has literally spent hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars over the last 10 years to bring me down, to distract attention from the environmental crimes it committed in Ecuador as found guilty by six different appellate courts and 28 appellate judges. That's really what's happened. And they're paying all this money to these high-priced lawyers to avoid paying up for what they did in Ecuador. So the original judgment was $18 billion. It got reduced to something like $9.5 billion. What would this money go toward if Chevron ever paid it? Cleanup, environmental cleanup, restoration of lands, waterways, um, some would go to the indigenous groups to restore their cultural sort of identity that has been chipped away at because of all the pollution and the violence that has been inflicted on them. So, you know, this is really bad. Like if, you know, by the way, you can still travel to this part of Ecuador and see it. There's a thousand open air waste pits with oil waste in them that have been gouged out of the jungle floor. There's pipes that go from the pits into streams and rivers that people drink out of. Um, people don't have money as we know it. They don't have faucets where water comes out. They they drink out of rivers and streams or groundwater wells, and it's all poisoned. 
I mean, this is a mass industrial poisoning. To me, it's the very definition of ecocide, which is another atrocity crime um, similar to genocide that the world is thinking about elevating um, as a criminal matter. Um, and it would apply to private corporations like Chevron that deliberately destroy the environment, knowing it can no longer sustain human life. And that's exactly what they did in Ecuador. I mean, this was not an accident. This is a very important point. This was a deliberate design, an engineering design to systematically and deliberately discharge billions of gallons of toxic oil waste as a waste disposal mechanism to save a few bucks on each barrel they produce. That's horrendous. I mean, someone in Texaco, Chevron's predecessor company that did this, made this decision. And, I, you know, for the life of me, and I've been working on this case many years, it still blows my mind that a human being could make a decision to deliberately dump billions of gallons of toxic waste into a beautiful, pristine environment, knowing people would die. But that's exactly what Chevron did through its predecessor company, Texaco. Stephen, how can people uh, support you and uh, join your cause if they want to help out and fight back against Chevron? Sure. So we want we need all the help we can get. Um, we have we're really trying to build a global campaign to hold Chevron accountable and to help protect me um, and my family. And you can go to our website. It's called freedonziger.org, F-R-E-E-D-O-N-Z-I-G-E-R. And on the website, you can give us your email and sign up. You'll get regular case updates. There's a donate bar. We need resources to deal with this monster. Um, pay lawyers, pay expenses. And we're asking people to help financially if they can and donate to our legal defense fund, which is kept in a law firm um, in Seattle that administers the funds and trust to pay various case expenses. So go to freedonziger.org. And there's also actions you can take. By the way, if you can't give money, please come anyway. The more important thing is to join the campaign, including, for example, contacting the Department of Justice to um, try to convince them to take over this private corporate prosecution, the first ever, and bring it back into the side of the rule of law in this country where professionals rather than you know interested parties can make decisions about a public prosecution. Stephen Dunziger, every time I hear your story, I still can't believe it. It's just unbelievable. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Aaron. And thank you for all the great journalism you and your colleagues do. And, and um, it's an honor to participate in your show. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. 